We're coming to the um, last in our series, looking at the vision in Ezekiel chapter 1. It was a vision which is looking at these four living creatures which had four faces each. Um, and actually, interesting enough, I looked for, through Ezekiel, and in chapter 10, he, he recognizes them as being cherubim. I always thought cherubims are little, little baby, cuddly babies and things. But no, cherubim are things which guard the Garden of Eden. They, they wield swords. They're, they're, they're the mighty guards of, of heaven. So, but ha- we're going to look at how these four faces can speak of the four, of four areas of spiritual maturity. So just to briefly recap for those who've missed any of them or haven't been here. Um, first of all, aid introduces to the human face. Spiritual relatability. Some long words here. Spiritual relatability. Um, now... In Psalm 8 it says, You crowned man with glory and honour. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds, and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, and all that swim in the paths of the seas. And that also comes from Genesis 1, right at the beginning of creation. God made us in his own image and made us ruler over his creation. Isn't that wonderful? The relatability we have in the human face. So, who, who would like to put on a human face? Yeah. Amen, yeah, three of you. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure we all relate, relate to that. And then um, Pauline introduced the eagle face to us, prophetic spirituality, another, two, another long bunch of words. But Pauline was encouraging us to develop our spirits, the gifts given by the Holy Spirit, and especially the gift of that's one of the ways we hear from God. And in 2 Peter chapter 1 it says, Prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God speak as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So who wants to put on the face of the eagle? Amen, yeah. Bring it on. Then last week we had a talked about spiritual authority and the lion face. Amen put on our spiritual face of, of spiritual authority but it's the authority we have in Jesus Christ and I couldn't help thinking of that verse the great commission Matthew 28 where Jesus the prelude to the great commission he said all authority in heaven is given to me therefore go and I'm going to come back to that verse later but the point to make is we go in this in the authority of Jesus who has been given all authority and earth. So we want the lion face, yes? Yes. yes. Okay, can I have the first slide, Lynn? I can see it there. So, it's, as Age said, it's been left to me to talk about the ox face, stubborn obedience. Okay, who wants to put on the ox face? <laughs> Great. Let me give you a Bible verse. I've been looking for a Bible verse that maybe sums up what the ox face is all about. And uh, it came to me, I I read it in in a daily reading two or three weeks ago, and it's Acts 20, verse 24. So kind of that's the next slide. Oh, there we go, it's up. And it's, it's where Paul is saying, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. I consider my wife, my life worth nothing to me. <laughs> my, 
Did I say wife? <laughs> my life, sorry. My life's not worth living now, is it? <laughs> sorry, dear. Okay. Stubborn obedience, though. What does obedience mean? Obedience means doing what you're told. Isn't it, dear? <laughs> Has anybody here ever run a hurdles race? No? Oh, well done, yeah. Uh, three, four, five, six of us, okay. When I came back from Australia as a teenager, uh, I went to a new school, and they obviously saw this mug coming along and said, right, you're in the hurdles team. You're going to represent our school in the Carlisle School's Hurdles Race. So I thought, hurdles? What are they? I'll tell you what, it's 110 metres and 10 hurdles to kick over. <laughs> and I did it. I got it right every time. I don't think I've left one up. But, you know, in that race, I learned three commands. It's the old-fashioned the old commands of ready, steady, go. Remember that? Ready, steady, go. So there we go. Three great sermon headings. Ready, steady, go. So first and foremost, ready. Are you ready? In my career in the Royal Marines Band Service, I spent a lot of time standing at the side of pitches or, or, or um, arenas waiting to march on. As a serviceman, we were... We were there to serve the Queen and country and to do whatever our superiors required of us. But as a, as a musician, as a bandsman, and later on when I became a commanding officer, I was in charge of the band, I had this wonderful assurance that the, my group of men and women um, were in every respect ready for the performance. I knew that because they, first of all, they had left their civilian life behind and they joined up. They joined to serve queen and country. They'd made that, that change from civilian to serviceman. Then they'd been thoroughly trained. We'd rehearsed together. And we'd, a drum major had given them a quick inspection to make sure all the shoes were all shiny. Yep. So they were ready. Now, if we are going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to ask ourselves, am I ready? Have you put aside your old life to follow Jesus. Do you know, it's really interesting. I was thinking about the ready position. And it's a kneeling position, isn't it? If I can demonstrate it. You won't see it at the back. It's one, one knee down. It's a position of humility. The question, I'm going to be very blunt here. Have you bowed your knee to Jesus? To Jesus Christ? In John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you are not ready, if you don't know Jesus, you can do so today. Jesus is there waiting to receive you. And it's as simple as bowing the knee to Jesus, to giving your life to him, in repentance and faith, and following him and his love. And you know, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we're told, Paul writes, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. 
I'd like to share a story with you. Some of our mission community group will know about this. Uh, it's a story of Jackie. Now, just before Christmas time, uh, Humphrey and Rosemary had invited all their neighbours round for carols and mulled wine. They'd been praying for their neighbours ever since they moved into their house. And um, there was a good turnout of the neighbours. A lot of our MC came along as well. and We had a great time singing carols. And uh, Humphrey offered a follow-up, maybe an alpha course or something like that. But one lady, Jackie, said she'd like to come to our mission community group. And we've enjoyed Jackie's presence since Christmas. Every week she's come along, even when Rosemary and Humphrey are away, they arranged for Peter to pick her up every week. She came, and she's like the queen of the MC. She had her own chair. Uh, she's an elderly lady. But do you know, she said, you people have got something I haven't got. And it was just a joy to be able to share what we've got is the love of Jesus living in our hearts. What you're seeing in us is Jesus. It's nothing to do with, you know, we're, we've got lots of faults in our lives, but because we follow Jesus, you're seeing Jesus in our lives. So a couple of weeks ago, Jackie went into hospital. She had some heart problems. And last Sunday morning, as I was walking to church, I, I got a message from Humphrey saying, please pray for Jackie. We've heard she's been put on life support. Then while Aid was preaching, uh, I got a text message. I didn't look at my phone, Aid, because it comes through my, my sponsor watch. But, but we got this message saying that, that Jackie had passed away. She'd died. Do you know, I, just, I was just thinking about it, thinking, what a wonderful God we, we've got. It, God, in his love and in his mercy, are taking this lady in the latter part of her life and placed her amongst a group of people who knew him and love him, and who, who could share and show her the way to Jesus. Now, I don't know what happened between Jackie and Jesus before she passed away, but we believe in faith that she's safe in the arms of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Why else would she come there? Do you know, if you are here today, you may come because you think there's something special about the people here. There's a love here. But do you know, we want to point you towards Jesus. You, people like Aid, Fraser, Polly, Frank, all the people here, Humphrey, Rosemary, all we can do is demonstrate the love of Jesus that's being put into our lives. But it's Jesus who is the answer. He's tenderly calling you today. He wants you to know he loves you. If you want to know more, please come and talk to us. Don't go away from this place without finding Jesus today. So back to the ox. The ox, the most powerful of the domesticated animals, it's ready to serve, isn't it? So this is our first ox lesson, is be ready be at one with Jesus. Now, the ox, as you know, is a massive beast. It's solid, it's strong, it's heavy, it's powerful. It's able to, to pull a big, heavy burden. But to keep it steady, you may have noticed, if you've seen a picture of an ox, I didn't get one today, but it's got four legs, one at each corner. Notice that? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever sort of gone on, on all fours. Um, we used to do it when, we were, when I did judo for a bit. You did judo, didn't you? you did, oh, somebody did. But we used to have a game where we used to try and pull each other's arm away. And if you go on all fours, it's very hard to tip you over. 
take one arm away, and over you go. So it needs four, these four supports. And, and I want to just try and help make this uh, nice and easy for us to understand today. We need to be steady. We need to be steady. And I'd like to suggest four legs or four things that we need to make us steady to serve God. Um, you may think of four different things, but um, let's see what we, how we get on with these four. So the first one, the first leg, is worship. We need to be a worshipping people. I mean, I alluded to it earlier, earlier in this service. We need to be people who worship God. What is worship? John Piper gives the following definition of worship. True worship is a valuing or a treasuring of God above all things. It's a word, the English translation is, comes from worth-ship. So it's showing, displaying the worth of God in, in every part of our lives. And when we worship God, uh, music is a wonderful, uh, full, wonderful mode of worshipping. But we're worshipping God now. We're focusing on God, bringing his worth into our being. We had a session last week, didn't we, on worship with, uh, with Liz. And it results in the deep, restful, joyful satisfaction of God in you, overflowing into acts of praise for him and acts of love in serving others. If you want help in your worship life, and it's something I'd encourage you all to do, just read the Psalms and ask the Holy Spirit to just show you God, show you Jesus through the Psalms. It's, they're full of praise, full of worship to God. We are made for worship. We're made to be a oneness with God. There's a set of questions which have been compiled many years ago called the Shorter Westminster Catechism. So it's a long, long phrase again. But the first question is, is in, that, in the Shorter Westminster Catechism is, what is the chief And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So it's a two-way thing. Isn't that wonderful? So we need to be a people of worship. And this leads very, very smoothly into the second leg. The second leg is relationship. The more we get to know God, the more we will worship him. So let's ask ourselves the questions now. And I'm asking myself the same question. What is my relationship like with Jesus? How well do I know Jesus? How well do you know Jesus? Does the thought of Jesus or the mere mention of his name send a thrill through you? Do you know, it takes a lifetime to get to know somebody properly. Last year, Lynn and I celebrated our Ruby wedding anniversary. That's 40 years. Thank you. And we think we know each other pretty well. But I'll tell you what, in our first year of marriage... Lynn just didn't understand me at all. <laughs> but, you know, then, then the second year came, and slowly we got to know each other. Sorry, I didn't understand her either. But by living together, you, you learn about each other, don't you? You learn, how did I get to know my wife? By living with her, by talking to her, by listening to her, by doing what she tells me to do but by sharing experiences together, good experiences, 
bad experiences, times of joy, times of sorrow, and we'd form a bond until, I can say to say, I'm going to embarrass her, I love her more today than I did 41 years ago. Yeah. So how do we get to know Jesus? It's the same way. We develop that relationship with him by letting him live in our heart. By talking to him. Spending time. By listening to him. By reading his precious word. This is, this is the word of God. This is living. This is so full of, 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 of wonderful things. It's gems. It's gold dust. You need to read that to get to know Jesus. And like by letting the Holy Spirit teach us all things. You know, just before Jesus went back, went to be crucified, he said to his disciples, um, I'm going to send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will teach you all things. Let the Holy Spirit teach you about Jesus. We need to develop that relationship with God and do with Jesus. Jesus said, anyone who's seen me, anybody who knows me, has seen or has known the Father. So relationships, so important. And that leads very smoothly into that third prop, that third leg, which is fellowship. There you go, thank you. Third leg of fellowship. Do you know when Jesus was asked, um, they came to try to catch him out, and they said, Master, which is the greatest commandment? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your soul and with all your mind. And some versions say with all your strength as well. This is the first and the greatest commandment. We might might say, hang on, that's leg two, getting to know God. But then Jesus said, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, verse 37 to 38, if you're interested. Then in John 15, and I mentioned this last time I, was, I was stood here um, talking to you. It's where Jesus said to his disciples, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Fellowship is so... Two points here. You need to love each other. And secondly, unless we spend time together, how can we learn to love each other? Being part of a church is so important. The word itself comes from the Greek ecclesia, which is commonly used to indicate an assembly of citizens, but as a gathering together, as a family, a family gathering with a blood bond. Right, okay, there we go. So yes, so it's more of a family gathering rather than a club. And does that make sense? Yeah. Together, do you know, we learn to love each other when we're together. Uh, again, I've done this before here. Look around you. Look at the people. Some people are very easy to love, aren't they? Some people maybe not so much. But you know, we have to love. Don't look at the people that you don't. <laughs> hard to love. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm joking there. We need to look around. Think about, if you're in a mission community group, think about the people who, who gather weekly with you. Is that the people you think you'd naturally get, get together as a group of friends? Possibly not, but God has put us together. And do you know, 
he makes a real love between us, doesn't he? And I must say, our, commission, our mission community group, there's a deep love between us. And we can actually spend time together, learning to love each other. We can share together. We can support each other, help each other. Something we've done a lot recently, bring comfort to each other. When people are going through hard times, having, having that brother and sister who can just bring comfort. We can learn from God's word together. Just share the things that we're learning. We can bless each other. And more importantly, we can pray for each other. We can just commit each other to the throne of grace. God hears every prayer we utter. Do you believe that? Yeah, amen. Gathering together, being together is so important. Listen to this from Hebrews 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. There's a famous story, and for those who know it, um, bear with me. For, but for those who don't know it, it goes like this. There's a man who used to go to a church, and the, the, the cares of life are weighing him down. He was getting a bit despondent, getting a bit fed up of, of being at church. So he stopped going for a while. And eventually they noticed that he hadn't been there for a few weeks. So the minister went round to visit this, this chap. And they sat down together one winter's night. And uh, the, the guy said, oh, he said, I've just really, I just couldn't be bothered to go to church any, anymore. I'm feeling really down, actually. I'm feeling really fed up. And uh, the minister didn't say very much at all. But they sat there together looking at the, the open fire and the burning coals there. And the minister reached across, grabbed some tongues, and he brought out a burning um, coal, put it on the hearth. Don't try this at home. <laughs> and they both sat there watching it. The man must have thought, what's he doing? But as they watched it, slowly the fire, the flames withered away from this piece of coal. The red glow faded away. And then suddenly the man thought, I get your point. They put it back, and it burst into flames again. We need each other to keep the flames fanned, keep the flames burning. On our own, we get cold, we'll go out. We're made for fellowship. You're part of a church, so be a part of it. Be a part of it. Ask God what he wants you to do in the church. And then I've got the fourth leg which some of you might guess, which is the gospel. The gospel. We've already had a quick look at the prelude to the Great Commission where we considered spiritual authority we have in Jesus. But the active part of that Great Commission is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Do you know, this leg isn't an option for us. It's not, a, it's not like a false leg that we can leave at home most of the time. You know, and, and maybe one day we, we put it on and we go out and this person comes along and says to us, I am Phil, I haven't seen you for a while. I've been, I've been thinking about Jesus, actually. And I, want, I, want to be a, I want to be a Christian. Can you, can you sort of show me how to become a Christian? And I think, oh, thank goodness I put my false leg on today. 
It's not, not like that. It's a leg which we need all the time to support us. It's essential to build the church up. The, the, having the gospel message on our tongues, ready to give an account of our faith. Do you know, Jesus sets us a clear example in Luke 4. Are you gone too, too soon, Lynn? <laughs> I can see all the eyes reading it. <laughs> uh, in Luke 4, Jesus quotes from Isaiah 61. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you know, to serve Jesus in this way, it calls for sacrifice. It calls for sacrifice of our time, sacrifice of our energy, possibly sacrifice of our riches, our finances, to help, nurture, and care for others. Do you know, as God opens the doors into other people's lives, and this is something we should be praying for, as Rosemary and Humphrey were praying for Jackie, God opened the door into her life. We should be praying for God to open the doors into people's lives. People who are in darkness but need to see and experience the life of light. The light of life, sorry, which is Jesus. We need to be willing to take the yoke. Very appropriate as an ox, isn't it? To take the yoke and be willing to show the same love that Jesus would show. How much love is this? Well, John 15 says... Greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus could say that because he did just that for us. He laid his life down. So these folk in darkness, and we're surrounded by people who are walking in darkness. If we don't tell them, who will? Why do we often fail in this? Who finds it difficult? It is difficult. Well, and we, we've dis- we were discussing this the other morning, actually, in, in our prayer times. Is it the fear of ridicule? Or is it the fear of rejection? Listen to this. This is very sobering First, Matthew 10, 32. Jesus said, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. What a sobering verse. Do you know, fulfilling the Great Commission is about telling others about Jesus and helping them to become followers of him. You know, in Ephesians 6, the armor of God we put on, one of them is is having the feet uh, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to, to, to be following the Holy Spirit to where he wants people to hear about Jesus. Looking back at our verse in Acts 20, you can put it on now, Lynn. Thank you. Paul had learned to take a lot more than ridicule and rejection, hadn't he? He suffered persecution, suffered imprisonment, shipwreck, all the things he tells us about. Because he considered his life worth nothing if only to complete the task set by the Lord Jesus, testifying to the gospel 
of God's grace. He was that ox. He was ready. He was steady. And finally, it's go. Just wake us all up. Finally, we need to be ready to move. We need to be ready to go when we get the command to go. Do you know, the Apostle Paul has some really interesting things to say about this. I've asked Lynn to put, she put the two verses before verse 24 up because in verse 22, Paul says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. Can you hear our verse for the year in there? Compelled by the Spirit, I am going. Do you know, Paul was listening to the Spirit, and we need to develop that same attentiveness to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We really do. And then in, in Acts 20, verse 23, Paul goes on to say, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. Fine, let's go. Wow. Only stubborn obedience is going to overcome this. The stubborn obedience of the ox to follow Jesus regardless of what he says. I've gone through this quite quickly and I've covered quite a lot of ground this morning. So, now, are we willing to put on our ox face? Sobering thought, isn't it? To become a stubborn, obedient servant. As we finish this series, do remember that the ox face is just one of the faces. And we need to think about the human face of spiritual relatability. The fact that God has given us a role to play for him in his creation. We need to, to thank God and think about the eagle face of using the prophetic gifts, gifts he's given us, the spiritual gifts, the lion's face of spiritual authority in Jesus Christ, the ox face of stubborn obedience. But we do this to serve our risen Lord, Jesus Christ, who is moving by his Spirit. You know, our task is to be where the Spirit is, to go wherever the Spirit goes. Amen. Amen.